All right. Well, folks, good to have you all on. Let me just read this section here, and then I want to say some more things about the, the, the way the Lord teaches us. Something about why God teaches, um, or, or, yeah, why God teaches and how God teaches this morning. And, but it's, since, since it's coming from this whole section here, uh, at least my, my thoughts are, I'm going to read this section again. So, uh, verse 9, But as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, or discerns all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. All right, well, most of this section, I feel like, just kind of deals with the the fact that spiritual knowledge is is not man's knowledge it's not spiritual knowledge is not man's knowledge of spiritual things it is it is with the analogy that paul gives here spiritual knowledge is the spirit's own knowing of the things of god the depths of god working in the heart of man and the difference between those two things is is astronomical God's own light, God's own knowing by his own spirit put into your soul, causing you to see what he's seeing and be aware of what is real in in him is completely different than man learning spiritual, uh, learning about spiritual things or learning spiritual concepts. Those, those two things are totally different. And so man, uh, you know, I think that kind of some of the general ideas that Paul's trying to get at here are, are just the, the, the fact that man cannot achieve this knowledge. It's not within man's grasp. He, he gives the analogy of how a man can't even know another person's spirit except by being joined to that spirit within another man, which is impossible. And yet that's exactly what God does to, to, to cause us to know Him. We don't have, we don't naturally have a faculty for knowing God or for retaining his knowledge. He has to do both of those things in us. He becomes the knowing that works in us by his own light. I mean, we can receive it, we can turn to it, we can follow it as we've been talking about, but we don't have we don't have an innate or inherent inherent ability to know the Lord. It has to there's a one-way uh, road that that causes spiritual knowledge to happen in us. It comes from him. It works in us as his own as his own view. And all of man's nature, good morning, uh, is is a knowing. All of man's knowledge is of a different kind. It's of a different nature. It's of a. It's totally different. And and uh, and that nature, that kind of knowing, is a knowing that is that, that 
let me put it this way: the kind of the kind of knowing that man has the ability to have when it hears about spiritual things, it thinks that those things are foolishness. And that's what Paul says here. He says, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. That, that goes for the natural mind still working in you. It's not just the unbeliever. That whatever measure of your natural mind is trying to discern spiritual things or learn spiritual things, those things are foolishness to you as well. They are spiritually discerned. That is to say, they are discerned by the Spirit who shows them to you. And to the natural mind, even the natural mind working in the in the Christian, those things cannot be discerned or understood. And yet, the mind of the Spirit sees with a completely different light, shines that light in the darkness, and causes the heart to know what is true. That's kind of, I don't know, if I had to summarize what's going on in this, in this section that I just read, that would, be, that would be kind of how I would summarize it. What's on my mind more this morning to talk about is is more why the just the question of well, two questions one but the the first one is why does God teach us why is he teaching souls what's his intention I don't think most people think about that question I think I don't think I thought about that question for years I think what we do is we just assume that God wants us to have the right information. That's that's usually what we think about, that God wants us to have the correct spiritual facts. And so, you know, you pick up a book, you read a book, and, you know, a book that's on Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, whatever, or the life of Isaiah, or the prophecies of Isaiah. And, and you, what the, you just kind of automatically assume, because this is how things work in the natural realm, that God wants you to get it. He wants you just to get what Isaiah said. He wants you to understand it. He wants you to know what, what he said. You know, or he 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 wants you he he you know wants you to understand why Jesus said this or that to the Pharisees or what Paul meant. What that's what we're after. What does what does Paul mean when he writes this to the Romans? And and that's what that's as, about as far as as. Our why go? I mean, as far as the question, why is the Lord teaching us? Why does he want to teach us? It, because he wants us to know what Paul meant when he wrote Romans. Or he wants... Do you, you see what I'm saying? And maybe that sounds totally right to you, but it shouldn't. I don't personally believe there's any... There, there, if there's any spiritual value in that kind of... Uh, learning it's only in the way that it points the heart to something else but not in and of itself i don't think the lord cares very much about whether we get something or we understand what paul meant or why what the this this parable is a picture of i don't i don't think that's that's what god's after at all you know we figure out a we think we figure out a parable, or maybe we do figure out a, a, what a parable. I mean, the general concept, or maybe we just read Jesus's description of what the because Jesus in a number of parables said what they meant. You know, 
and, and and they're written down in the Bible, and and or we read, you know, we figure out what Paul meant when he said all creation groans in longing for the revelation of the sons of God, the manifestation of the sons of God. We we think we think we figure that out, and then we feel good about knowing it, and maybe we teach it. Maybe that's what we do right away. We just. You know, some people love to teach stuff. They love to talk about things. Or maybe they write, maybe you write it down in your diary or your notebook. And, or maybe you make some kind of a life, life application. But the basic idea is that God wants to teach you so that you know kind of how spiritual things work. You know, you know how salvation works, or you know what you should believe. You shouldn't believe these things because those things are wrong. That's what the wrong people teach, and you have to. You should believe these things, you know, or you know what heaven is like, or you know what's going to happen at the end of the world. I mean, these things are taught, and the, and do you understand what I'm saying? The goal. I'm trying to get at the goal. The goal is so that you understand something, as though that that in and of itself has value. But I'd like to. What I'd like to submit to you is, first of all, just to the idea to, to question that. Is is that what the Lord is even after? I know that that's what we value, generally speaking. But is that even is that the right kind of knowledge for one? And does that actually accomplish anything? I think that to almost everything I just described, all of those little reasons for knowing things or attempts to know things i think that to almost every one of those paul would say what he says in first corinthians uh, chapter eight he says he who thinks that he knows anything does not yet know as he ought to know now that's a really important thing that's i think that's first corinthians eight too he who thinks he knows anything does not yet know as he ought to know he doesn't say he who thinks he knows anything does not yet know anything he says he doesn't know as he ought to know. He doesn't know how to know. So, so that's a really important thing to pay attention to. The person who thinks he knows something hasn't yet learned how to know. It's like, it's like saying, he who has stored inf- spiritual information in his mind has not yet understood true knowing. Has not yet come to understand how he ought to know things. Or maybe another thing that Paul would say about such a person is that that person is ever learning and never coming to an understanding or never coming to the knowledge of the truth. That's another thing that Paul says. Now, now, now if, if that strikes you, then let it, please. And not for my sake, for your own sake. Let Let that... Let that strike you. Spiritual knowledge. What? Why is God even wanting to teach you something? I think there's a lot of ways you can say it. I was thinking of a bunch of them and a, and a bunch of other scriptures. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you a little bit out of Ephesians here in a minute. But why does God teach? I think that God has a very specific purpose in mind as for why He wants you to know. He does want you to know. He does want you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants you to grow in the, in the, in the knowledge of the Son of God. But why? And what is that knowledge? I, I think you could say it a bunch of different ways, but let me try a few. He teaches you truth so that truth reigns 
in your inner man. There's a scripture, Psalm 51. He desires truth in the innermost parts. What does it do there? It doesn't sit, he doesn't, he doesn't desire it in the brain. He doesn't desire it to be among the many spiritual facts that you have in your head. He desires truth in your innermost man and he desires it there for a reason. He desires it to reign in you. He desire, he teaches so that what is true in him becomes the truth that is working in you. That's that's what he wants. He teaches so that spiritual reality defines your soul, fills it with what is real, and destroys everything else. That's why he teaches you. He teaches you so that you bear in yourselves the image and likeness and are conformed to the thing that is being taught. You see the the difference between that? He teaches you... It has it has nothing to do with learning more about the Bible or understanding the Bible. The Bible is a testimony of truth. And everything in it is true, but it is not the truth. The truth is alive. The truth is a person. The truth is the one who wants to reign in you according to his own nature and according to his own spirit. The Bible is true, but it points to the truth. And so learning the Bible without knowing the truth is actually a very dangerous thing. And I, and I think it's something... It's best not even to learn the Bible without a heart that is hungering and thirsting for truth. Because then the Bible becomes a means to something else. Then the words themselves become familiar in the wrong part of you. Then the words are actually learned, understood in the mind. They're put together, organized, categorized, theologized, and learned in the part of you where they're not even touching the throne of God where he desires to reign. No, no, he doesn't teach you so that you can be a Bible scholar. He doesn't teach you so that you can get a master's in divinity. He teaches you so that you bear the life in your soul, that you actually are conformed to the image and the kingdom of the one that the scripture is testifying of. He has no interest in your degree. He has zero interest in how many Bible verses you have memorized. The scripture is a testimony of the truth and the truth actually sets you free from something if you abide in it and know it jesus said john uh 8:32 i think jesus said to those who had believed in him if you abide in my word you will know the truth and the truth will make you free someone says yeah but they already believe in you exactly that's why I'm telling them that if they abide in my word, then they will know the truth, not just believe in it. And the truth will have an effect. It will actually cause them to come out of something and be free from it and cause them to experience something else. Friends, Jesus 
gives you life. And then he tries to teach you the thing he's given you. That's what we just we just read that. He gives you his he gives you life and everything is in that life. What 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 what's everything? Righteousness, truth, love, peace, power, sonship, the kingdom of God. Everything is in that life. And it's all right there. It's in that life. And and yet you don't know what you have. And so he gives you a life. And then he tries to teach you that life. He reveals that life. But not not so that you just have an an understanding. And not so that you just finish studying Romans and go on to 1 Corinthians. Do you know what I mean? And man, if that's what we're doing in this class, let's stop right as fast as we can. He teaches you, and that's what this whole first two chapters of First Corinthians is about. He, teach, he, he puts his spirit in you to show you something so that what he shows you actually lives, reigns, defines, conquers, prevails, has victory, establishes a kingdom, fills you up. There's a, there's a very specific purpose for God's teaching. And it's not it's not to inform. And that's what we, we have such don't we I mean think about what we have such a high value on information and we, we and, and and we think we were you know, I, 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 you know, I learned this. I got this concept down. I, I, I finally, someone gave me a really good explanation of this tricky verse in First Timothy that I've never understood. You know, and that just means so much to us. You know, and we say, oh, I got the best. Someone said I heard. You know, I was listening to this Christian person, and he gave the best definition of mercy, or he gave, he really cleared up for me why. James says that faith without works is dead. I used to not like that verse, and now I think it's kind of cool. He cleared it up for me, you know? And warning. I'm just trying to wave a red flag in front of your hearts this morning. Warning. He teaches you not to satisfy your carnal mind with explanations. He teaches you, if it's really Him teaching... Because most of the time it's just us explaining stuff to each other to make us feel good about stuff, about our understanding. But if the Lord is really teaching your heart, then he's teaching you so that the thing that he put in you becomes the life and the light and the truth and the king that is governing and defining all things. Now, if you read through the New Testament, and it, well, if you read through the Old Testament, if you read anywhere... The, the the words that we're so bent on learning are all warning us not to learn them in that way. And there's huge chunks of scripture. I mean, like like this chunk I'm going to read to you right now, where the the clear, the, the very clear. It's so, so amazing because we'll, we'll we'll read these chunks of scripture and we'll try to learn what these chunks of scripture mean without actually heeding the warnings and the advice in these scriptures. It's amazing how we can do that. We can just, we dissect it. It's like fluff the cat. You know, that analogy that we've done for years. I don't know if some of you might have heard that where the guy, I forget how it goes. The guy wants his, 
neighbor to spend some time. He, he loves his cat, Fluff, and he gives his neighbor, uh, he goes on out of town for a week, and he says, hey, look, I want you to take care of Fluff the cat and really get to know. Fluff is an amazing cat. And he gives Fluff to uh, to the neighbor for a week and comes back, and he says, hey, did you get to know Fluff? And the guy says, I really did. And you're right. He is an amazing cat. And he says, come on, here, I'll show you. He brings him into the dining room table, and he's got Fluff completely dissected on the table, and he's got, like, everything labeled and, like, the microscopes out and all these different Petri dishes with things in them and stuff. And he has, he has, ta- he has really gotten to know Fluff the cat. And that's exactly what we do with, with scriptures like these. Ephesians 4.11 And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Now, we stop right there and we just want to be an apostle and a prophet and a teacher. We don't even care what it's for. You know, we'll just stop right there. What's the purpose of a teacher and a pastor and an apostle and a prophet? You know, who cares? I just want to be, what's the most important one? That's what I want to be. And then then I'm going to sign all my emails like that or something. It's so sad. But anyway, what what does he says? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Well, what's that? What's the edifying of the body of Christ? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the full knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, that's an... That is an inward growing up into Christ here. And and if you're confused about what that means, he goes on. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. And by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effectual working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Therefore, this I say and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. And that don't walk in the futility of your mind. That's how the Gentiles walk having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. The life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to walk in uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. That's not how you have learned Christ. Not with the vanity of your mind. If indeed you have heard Him... Not heard about him, heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you, and here's what he teaches, here's what the ones who have heard him and been taught by him, here's what he's gonna, he's what he's what, here's what he's gonna say, or what he's gonna teach you, that you put off Concerning, con, sorry, I'm stuttering. Concerning your former manner of life is really a good translation, not just conduct. It, manner of living, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, not just your mind, the spirit of your mind, the the inward place of knowing the. 
the inward faculty of the of the inner man, the soul or spirit, that you put on the new man that was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, he's talking about a knowing that involves, first of all, growing up in him according to his own nature, love, being growing up into the head, out from which all the body parts receive, receive a measure of him to edify the other ones, so that the whole body grows up in his own life and nature, and that involves not walking in the futility of the mind, but actually being renewed in the spirit of the mind, so that one whole man in nature that is growing corrupt according to deceitful lust is put off, and a whole another man is putting being put on who has been created of God in true righteousness and holiness. Do you see? Do you see why God teaches? He teaches so that we come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we grow up into all things, into Him who is the head, so that we're edified in love, which is His nature. All of these things are true experiences. He he teaches so that you bear the thing that's being taught. That's actually what that word... Remember when Jesus says, I have many more things to, to teach you now, or to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But the Holy Spirit, who is coming... He will teach you all things. He will guide you into all truth. Well, that word bear doesn't just mean handle. It's not like I have many more things to teach you, but you can't handle them. It actually, it's the it's the Greek word there. It's for carry. You can't carry it. You can't wear it. You can't take it. You can't, I, I have many things to tell you, but it would just be information. You can't carry it with you now. You can't actually bear the thing. And so the Spirit of God will, just like the same way they, they filled up the land. I'm not going to give you the whole thing right away. I'm going to give it to you as you can possess it. Remember, remember he says that in Exodus chapter 23. Little by, I'm not going to give you the whole thing or the whole, or all, even if I cast out all of the, the Philistines, and then all the wild beasts will fill in. I'm going to give it to you according to your ability to possess what I'm giving. So that as far as you go, as far as you walk, yes, it belongs to you, but you have to possess it. And so it, it is a, it is a, there's a purpose for the giving. It's not just so that you have a stamped piece of paper that says it's yours. It's all done. It's all yours. It's so that it becomes a possession of the soul. That it becomes the thing that you're bearing. The thing that you're actually experiencing and walking in. I have many more things to tell you, but if I told you now, it would just be like everything else I've told you for the last three and a half years. It'll bounce off your natural minds. And you'll argue about who's greatest in a natural kingdom. But the spirit of truth will cause you to possess these things and walk in them and bear them as living realities in your soul. There would be no... I'm I'm putting words in Jesus' mouth here, so don't take me very seriously. But it's like he would say, there's no value in just telling you about these things. You can't bear them. But when the spirit of truth comes, the one who is with you will be in you. And then that truth can reign and rule in your soul, where it's very unfamiliar to you still, you know. And 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 you could tell it was still very. I mean, I, I was. I'm just reading through Acts again right now. I'm just. I'm blown away by Peter because uh, it's it's just a, it's amazing to me how this this incredible change in Peter and just just I mean. 
just a short time, the difference of the one who was with him being in him made a, made a dramatic change in, in Peter. Well, he was learning to bear the things he had heard about. I mean, right up until the cross, he was denying Christ, making all these boasts in, his, in the flesh, falling asleep in the garden, sticking his foot in his mouth, you know, running away, going back to fishing, all these different things. And, and then he's filled, with, or he's filled with the Spirit and begins to grow up in his inner man with the, the actual teaching that comes from that seed of life that's planted in him. And he's a completely different person, not just in signs and wonders, but in understanding and in truth and, and rebuking, you know, Simon the sorcerer and, and the things he says. I can see that the Satan has filled your heart, you know, and these, these different things that he's... Uh, that he understands and he's walking in truth and, and the way he boldly stands before the ones who he ran away from and hid from like 40 days earlier, you know? And I don't know, it's it's amazing the, the difference that that true learning or true knowing actually does in the heart. All right, uh, in the time we have left, let me just say this now. That's a little something, that, that, that was my attempt to try to answer the question of why does the Lord teach now let me try to answer a little bit of the question how 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 does truth come or how do we learn and uh, I think it's right to say that truth comes as as everything of the kingdom of God truth comes as a seed truth comes as a mustard seed it comes as a pinch of leaven uh or there i i was thinking of the psalm psalm 97 uh light is sown for the righteous light is isn't that, isn't that an interesting concept light is sown like a seed it's sown. light is sown for the righteous it doesn't come as a lesson although you might you might be listening to a lesson when you feel that seed of truth, when when that seed of truth begins to work in your heart. It doesn't come as a Bible verse, although you might be reading a Bible verse when you when you start to experience the truth. But see, the truth isn't... People get confused there because the truth isn't the verse. The verse is, is true and it's testifying of the truth, but if you're actually experiencing truth, it's not, you're, not the, you're not experiencing that verse. You're experiencing the one who spoke that verse. Do you see the difference? The Spirit spoke words describing something of himself and what you're experiencing is the one out from which that verse came from if if you're really experiencing truth if truth is striking your heart with any reality and force then you're actually you're actually encountering the source of that verse not the verse itself that, that, and that very source is the thing that Jesus said the Pharisees wouldn't come to. Look, you, you guys study the scripture all day long, but the one who actually is the source of all those scriptures, the life of them and the truth of them, you won't come to him. You, you, you've, you've taken the words. You, you, you're amazed with the words that come out from that, from that source, but your heart is refusing the source. And, that, and you won't come to him that you might have the life in you. And, and that's why Jesus says, that's why I, he says, I can see that you don't have the love of God in you because his word is not abiding in you. And what were they loving? 
they, they could very, they could make a very strong case, better than most of us, that they love the truth. I mean, those guys, their knowledge of the scriptures, scriptures is is legendary. Their under their 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 knowledge and and not just their knowledge of scriptures, but all of the traditions and interpretations that went along with that, the, the, the amount, the quantity of information about the scriptures stored into their, in their brains and memorized and repeated in, in the original language, and I'm sure in Greek as well, but in Hebrew, was, was amazing. They could make a very strong, they dedicated their lives to it. Their, their outward lives and, and their mental life dedicated to it. They can make a strong case that they love that word. And yet Jesus says, I know that you don't. I know you don't. You don't have it living in you. You won't receive it. You won't come to the one who, who gave forth all of it. You don't love it. Well, it doesn't come as words. Words point to it, and I'm not against, I love the scriptures, I read them all the time, but I read them with a view to the thing that they're pointing to, or they don't have the value that they're supposed to have. Truth comes like a small seed, it comes like a seed of light, and it shines in your heart like a like a light from another planet, like a like a color you've never seen before. It, start, it shines in you as something very foreign. It's not a new concept. It's a new, it's not a new take. It's not a new take on a scripture. It's not that. It's a new, it's a different kind of newness. It's new in quality and, and nature. It's new, it's different, and it's contrary. It's not just other than, it's contrary. It usually, when when truth begins to work in your heart, it usually brings uh, conviction. It usually because it because it makes a division apparent. It makes it usually causes you to realize contrariness to God. You can call that conviction of sin. You can call that judge the judgment of the cross. You can call that a lot of names. But that's the first thing you realize is that everything of Christ is on one side and everything of me is on the other side. And whether someone then tells you to you need to do the sinner's prayer or do the Roman's road or you need to ask for salvation, you need to go to the altar or whatever you need. A lot of people try to deal with you and make you do certain things when that's happening. But the, but the fact is what's really happening is that truth is, is finding a, a little crack in your heart to stick a root in. That's what's really happening. Truth is appearing. He is appearing, and he's showing. And man, it's so kind that I, I, I just I love how the Lord just sows light for the righteous. He, anyone that will turn, anyone that will listen, you know, man, you know, man lives in, man lives in darkness. There's no, there's no light. There's no residue of man's pre-fall condition I- I- anymore. I, I don't think there's even the slightest speck of light at all in the, the Adamic man. I, it's perfect darkness, cut off from God, alienated from God. That's what Paul. We just read that verse. Alienated from God, walking in the. Va- there's this thick veil of fat over man's heart it's just it just it's totally he's so numb and dead and cold and and man lives his life like that completely 
enraptured with the creation. I mean, with his, and not just with the beauty of it, with his own purposes in it. He doesn't just like think, that's such a beautiful sunset. No, he, he, he lives so spiritually blind and dead and numb to, to eternal reality. And, and he, all, all he can think about and all he'll be content with for his whole life is just his own carnal investments in a natural realm and just his own, his own personal purposes and lusts. And he'll, he'll just do that. He'll get up every stinking day for his whole life and just think about nothing but the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And how he can invest himself and try to reap these temporary passing pleasures out of a natural creation. He'll do that for, for his whole life, for 90 years and then die. Having done that, everything, that's how blind he is. And people do that. Until what? Well, until there's a, a turning, until light comes in. This little, till a little seed, a little seed of light strikes that thick veil of fat over his heart. And, and, it, and, and there, there it is. And it just gives this little realization of, of maybe contrary, maybe this eternity. Maybe that's all. Maybe that's all that makes it through the fatty layer. Just that. Oh wait. I wonder if. I wonder if. I wonder if there's more than just my plans for today. I'm, I wonder if there's actually something bigger than that. You know. Maybe that's all it is, or maybe maybe it's maybe it's the awareness that there is a God, and, and that there's got to be a God. It doesn't make sense. I mean, to, to, seriously, that you know that the that this stuff just created itself? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, or, 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 and it comes and it lands, you know, and maybe it gets a little tiny, tiny little, little, you know, root down into that, trying to get down into that heart and reach that place where, reach down where the heart was created to actually bear those roots and, and, and be filled up with that seed and, 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 but man, it's so hard to get there, but the light shines and it has lots of different kinds of appear, appearances. Some are more dramatic than others, but, but some are just more of like this inward tug, you know? Maybe that's all it is. It's just like this, maybe this gnawing reality, not this gnawing awareness that like it's kind of almost bugs you that like there's something else or there's something bigger. It's almost this, or this annoying condemnation for, for sin, you know? It's like, man, I don't know why it bugs me when I do this. Every time I do this, it bugs me, you know? Um, you know, it doesn't seem to bug Billy Bob over there. He does it all the time. It bothers me, you know? What's, what is that, you know? And, and what does man do? With that seed of light, it, land, it lands on that fatty veil. And what does man do? Well, I'll tell you, most people ignore it until they can't feel it. That's what most people do. And that's freaky. I mean, that's, that is, in my opinion, that's the, that's, that is insulting the spirit of grace. That is sinning against the Holy Spirit. That's the thing that cannot be forgiven because it's the only way that you can be forgiven is if you pay attention to it. That that's the thing that God reaches out. Remember, we last week we talked about those little helicopter seeds that were that that have filled up my whole yard. They're growing everywhere, even in my driveway. You know, if you if you you know, He just throws a big wad of them down on top of your heart, look, hoping that somewhere there's a little crack. And if you refuse that seed, if you turn from that seed, what hope do you have? That there's no hope at all. And, and most people turn, they, and, and they despise the day of small beginnings. They despise that little, 
that little thing that calls at them and gnaws at them and 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 and, con- and condemns and reproves and checks them and they they don't they, they call it their natural conscience they call it their their they call it some residue of the early Adamic man I don't know what they call it they call it the way that they were raised they think this is wrong whatever but it's more than that I don't the way you're raised might make you feel guilty about doing certain things but there's more than that going on in, in, in human hearts there's this seed that comes out of nowhere and, and it lands everywhere it lands in it lands in religious Christians hearts and is rejected and it lands in Buddhist hearts and is rejected and it lands in tribal guys up in some tree somewhere in Brazil it lands in everyone's heart and it, and, and and generally speaking it is rejected and, and it's ignored until you can't even feel it I think that's the major. I think that's that's the seed that lands on the path. You ignore it till the birds just grab it and it's gone. What 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 many people do? Maybe I don't, I don't want to assign random percentages, but a lot, a lot of them quickly. They feel the sting of it. They feel the they feel the pull of it. The tug of it. The, the judgment of it. They feel something of it and they grab they grab the closest fig leaf that they can. What I mean is they grab this religious, they try to keep it from bugging them by doing something religious or putting some kind of religious covering over. They By believing, they, by going to church or getting involved in some religion or doing some kind of duty or activity or ceremony, something to deal with guilt and shame. You know, I took a class in college and one of my religion classes was just like how all religion was just a uh, an attempt all man all religion was man made and it was an attempt to deal with with uh shame and guilt and all that's kind of what all the you know some try to you know meditate through it and some try to get it forgiven this way and some try to do pilgrimages to do whatever it's just that's kind of what the whole class was about and it was taught by someone that I still have bad dreams about but uh, it, it, it was just a, it was a horrible class and all the books that we read were uh uh, they were all just kind of trying to prove that, you know, and and yet they're, you know, and, and that's that's that is kind of true though about most of what man does. Cre- I mean, that is true about all of what man creates. It's not there. There, that is what man does. I mean, there, there is truth. There is life. There is Christ. But what man does is we feel that sting. We feel that seed sown. That seed of light, and we don't like what it says. What does it do? You know, we don't, we don't, we don't listen to what it says. We don't want to listen to what it says, because what, what does it say? It says, it says things that that man does not want to hear. It says you're evil and you have to die. That's what it says. Who wants to hear that? Quickly, give me a fig leaf, someone, please. You know, what do I have to do to make this this gnawing? feeling go away well you just go to church every sunday you're good you know or you just do this this or that or believe these things or you know pray this prayer do this little activity you know be a good person whatever it is meditate or you know do yoga i don't know what people just do something to get rid of this feeling but don't listen to it because what what because it's going to say these things in your heart like you have to lose your life you have to hate your life lose what you call life find life in another man it's not where you think it is 
That's what it says. It says you can't stay in that man. You can't stay in that place. You can't stay in your country, kindred, and father's house. You have to get out. For Pete's sake, flee. Don't look back. Don't put your hand to the plow and look back. Get out. You can't stay in Sodom. You can't stay in Egypt. You can't stay in Babylon. That's what that thing keeps saying to you. You have to hate what you've loved and you have to run from it. You have to let the light kill it all and show you a new land and reveal to you a new place to live. That's, and it just keeps saying that thing to you. It says you're, you're the wrong kind. You're the wrong seed. You're the first birth. You're Ishmael. You're, 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 you're Ishmael. You're Esau. You're Saul. You're the, you're the one that, that is rejected. You have to find life in a new man. You have to come out. That's, and it keeps saying that. And so in order to dull that, in order to, to stop that, some people can't just seem to ignore it. Most, I think, do. Many do. They, they, they do manage to ignore it. They ignore it long enough. They, they rationalize. They justify their ignoring of it. And, and they get to a place where, honestly, I think this is what Paul means when they have a seared conscience, like with a hot iron. Remember that one verse? They're beyond feeling. Didn't we just read that? Read, read that? They, 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 they walk in the futility of their mind. Their understanding darkened. They, they, they're beyond feeling. They're, they're past feeling. And isn't that amazing? Having... Their understanding darkened, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who then are past feeling, having given themselves over to lewdness and uncleanness and greediness. They, they don't feel it. Where are the seeds? Well, they, they landed. They landed everywhere, but they're past feeling. Well, other people, they can't seem to... For whatever reason, they can't, they can't shake that feeling. They can't, but they cover it. Very few listen to it. And therefore, very few learn what that light is actually trying to teach them. And they don't grow. They don't actually grow. They just they accept a form of godliness, but they don't know the power of it. They, they, <clears throat> they grab onto one of the many forms, whether it's in it's some other religion or Christianity without life. It doesn't matter. They all exist. They're all created for the same reason, to stop that nagging voice. They, they amass knowledge. They amass even knowledge about the Bible. They collect it. They collect knowledge about the Word, about the light, about the Scriptures that testify of that life. But they don't love the light. They don't love its appearing. They don't cherish it so they don't grow. Because to grow in the truth is to lose the lie. And that's what they don't want to do. They don't. What's the lie? The lie... The lie isn't just something you believe. The lie is what you are. It's what you think about everything. It's the lens by which you view everything. It's it's the way you see everything, the way you desire everything, the way you know everything. It's that idea that Adam bought in the very beginning, that, that, that man has life, that man has purpose, that man can, can see and know and be something apart from God. It, it, it's this whole lens that is set over man's heart that says that that's it, it says that man has something is something it's self-love self self-gain pride pride of life lust of eyes the lust of the flesh and and to grow in truth to and i'm running out of time I'm, I'm out of time but to 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 grow in truth is to lose that and 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 and, and no one really i mean not no one but very few the lie is our most comfortable view. It's the it's it's the perpetual doing and living and learning and seeking of self. It's the most comfortable thing we know. It's the it's the thing that probably 
filled our mind the second we woke up this morning. Who wants to lose that? We, we want to serve that. And the, and the truth won't let you. The truth will not mix with that. It will threaten that. And so, anyway. God teaches because He wants to fill you with the thing He's trying to show you. And the way that He does that is by sowing it into your heart like a seed. And the knowledge grows as the seed grows. The true understanding has meaning and relevance as the seed bears its increase in the soul. All right, I'll stop with that.